Hello and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch, a church situated in Cape Town, South Africa. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that this will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. So we're tapping into the realities of Christianity. You know, so that for the simple reason and the purpose, that it's huge really, that we can live like Jesus and we can impact the world. Because that's why we're here. That's why we exist as believers. Amen? Amen. So in the book of Ephesians, you know, uh, just as a recap, the first half, verses, uh, chapters 1 to 3, focus on inward. They focus in on uh, Christ in us. They focus in on the spirit that we're now one with, that's living inside of us, the power that's inside of us. Okay? The second half of Ephesians, chapters 4 to 6, focus in on the outward flow, the outworking of the spirit that's inside of us. Okay? The life that we can now live because of who we are and because of who lives inside of us. And I said this right in the beginning. Unfortunately, some people, ministers, well-intending, will take the second half of Ephesians and just teach that without showing people the root for the, the, and the empowering to be able to live like that. Okay, and, and, and that's legalism, but it's also unfair. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, like, you know, jump up and touch the ceiling or I'm going to kill you. Kind of like, uh, that's unfair. No one can do that in this room. You know, so it's the same thing with, with, with living a life like Jesus. We can't do that without the empowering of Jesus. Okay, and that's what Ephesians really shows us. So, you know, legalism and religion, even religious Christianity, obviously, will, will tell us how to live and they'll focus in on the external. But what does God look at? The heart. God, man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. Okay, so we've got to remember that it's, it's what's going on inside more than what's going on on the outside. Man is, we, we're obsessed with appearances and, 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 and what we can do and what we can show people we've done. And, and I mean, I've heard many uh, uh, people saying things like, you know, they had this breakthrough because, and then they'll focus in on everything that they've done to get a breakthrough. Fast, and they've prayed for hours, and they just put themselves in a room. And those things may have helped them get to a place, but all glory to you. Well done. <laughs> You're awesome. Like, well done, you're, really, you're a piece of work, aren't you? Like, to get that, I know that that's not used in the correct way, but on purpose. You know, because you kind of like think that you're just amazing because you did something and got something from God. Whereas, it may have just helped you position your heart, but faith is, is, is the access there. God's always on, God's always towards you, just receive. Okay? So, we've we got to keep in mind, God's not looking at the outward. Obviously, the outward is important. Man does look at the outward. So if I came out of pajamas this evening, you know, many of you wouldn't be very impressed. Some of you would like that. That maybe shows a problem. <laughs> but the point is, is that like man looks at the outward appearance, so outward is important, but what determines the outward? The inward. Out of the heart flow all the issues of life. So that's what Proverbs shows us. So if the heart's not good, then everything out on the outside is not going to be good. So we've got to look at, we are custodians of our heart. We are custodians, therefore, of the direction that we're going in. And of our, our, how our life is going. And so we've got to make sure that we're fixed and focused in on our hearts and allowing God to minister deep to our hearts. Okay? So, 
you know, they'll get us to focus in on uh, religion and, 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 and legalism, to focus in on the outward without the motivation. You know, it's kind of like, if you do this, God will bless you. If you do this, you'll be accepted by God, or whatever. But true Christianity will point you in the right direction with the empowering and the motivation. Okay? So giving is important, for example. But the right motivation Paul shows us, and Jesus shows us, is love. You know, without love, you can give everything you have, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and it profits you nothing. Okay? Uh, for God so loved the world He gave. And so His motivation for giving was love as well. Okay? It was an obligation. These guys really need this. I, I, I don't feel up to this, but you know what? I'm just, God didn't sit there and go, this is an inconvenience. There's a huge need down on earth, and, and I need to send. I don't want to do this, guys. Like, he didn't do that. He, he loved so much that he didn't even wait for anyone to ask. He had a plan in motion before we even thought of it. So, yeah, if, if we see living right, now you define living right in your mind, but, yeah, and, and, and it might be wrong according to the Bible, but anyway. <laughs> but if you see living right as a burden, then it's probable that, that it's just you haven't caught a glimpse of what Christ has done for you. Or, or you, you're not seeing the full picture of what He's done for you. Okay, two, we're going to start off in 2 Corinthians 5 and we'll get to Ephesians. But 2 Corinthians 5 from verse 16 and we're going to work our way down. Okay, so 2 Corinthians 5.16 says, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know Him thus no longer. Okay? So, yeah, as I was meditating on this, it, it, it really blessed me, because, I mean, I loved this verse before, but today as I was meditating on it a bit more, I got a lot more out of it. I like, that's what's awesome about the Word, isn't it? And as I was meditating on it, I realized, like, I, first of all, am no longer human. Okay, you, you, you got um, 1 John 5 which says we're, we're born of God. So that means there's a supernatural element to us. There's a divine element to us. I'm not saying you are God, but you're born of Him. Okay, so you're not normal. You're not like the world anymore. Okay, you're not like Adam. And many of us, our problem is, is we're too attached to Adam. And that's our lineage and that's what we're expecting. That's what we're believing for. That's what we, we feel defaulted to. Whereas, if any man be in Christ, is a new creature. The next verse comes up. And so you've got to see yourself as not after Adam, but after Christ. And most of the church, the, 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 if anyone's got a problem, the problem is they see themselves after Adam and not after Christ. Okay? So, I mean, that's pretty good. Because, you know, if you're after Christ and you're not after Adam, you can't see yourself as a sinner. Even when you sin. I mean, Romans chapter 5, 6, 7, 8, kind of, if you go through that, you can kind of see again and again, you're dead to sin. You've got a new nature. You know, to be dead to something means you're dead to it. <laughs> Doesn't mean, metaphorically speaking, you're not dead to it. Like, yes, you can still make mistakes. Yes, you can still miss the mark and sin. But it doesn't change your nature. Your nature is no longer a sinner. Your nature is changed. Okay? So, we're born of God. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, verse 17, he's a new creature, creation. Whenever I read this, I always mix up every version I've ever read all into one. 
and my head runs ahead of me and I mix up the words big time. So I have to focus on reading it from the New King James. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Sometimes I come up with creature. (laughs) Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, what I like is in the, uh, and Paul's letters, he always uses the terminology in Christ to describe the Christian. You're either in Christ or you're not. So you've got to see yourself as in Christ. Not trying to get into Christ, but in Christ. Okay, that's talking about salvation. But here it also is showing us that you are not a continuation of the old, you're completely new. Okay? You're completely new. You're a new creature, new creation, new creature. (laughs) Whatever you want to say, you are completely new. So don't, verse 16, don't regard yourself after the flesh, but after the spirit. Because you're a new creature. And then obviously within community, especially don't regard each other after the flesh, where you've come from, but regard each other after the spirit. Does that mean I leave my kids with anybody for them to look after them? Absolutely not. (laughs) Can I judge someone whether they're going to look after my kids or not? Absolutely yes. Because trust needs to be there, but it it means I'm not passing judgment on someone in the sense of, you know, uh, 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 they're still a sinner. Just because they've got maybe some bad habits. I don't want to ask who's got some bad habits, just in case I'm the only one who raises my hand. You know, like, 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 you know, just because you've got a problem in your life, or you, 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 you whatever, eat too much chocolate cake, it doesn't make you a, a sinner or a glutton. Yeah, yes, get out of that, stop that. But the, the point is, is that you're, you've got to see yourself as new. And most people who have a problem don't see themselves as new. They see themselves as a continuation of the old trying to be new. Okay, but you're completely new. Two translations I've never seen before. The first one is 20th century New Testament. It says, therefore, if anyone is in union with Christ, he is a new being. So this in Christ is talking about union with Christ. Anyone who's in union with him. If you're a Christian, you've become one with him. Amen. Amen. (laughs) That's what we've been focusing on the whole time is we are one with him. Okay. Got to open it. <laughs> You're one with Him. 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 17. Anyone who's joined into the Lord is one spirit with Him. So if you're in union with Christ, now you're a new being. A new person. Okay? Other translation is the New Testament in modern English. says, He has become a new person altogether. So, you know, in renewing our minds and seeing ourselves the way God sees us, in order to live the life that we're called to live, we've got to start to see ourselves as completely new. You cannot do the same works as Jesus and greater works without seeing yourself as a new creation. Okay? Uh, uh, Proverbs shows us, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you're not thinking of yourself as a new creature, as completely new, and you're always seeing yourself attached to Adam... And wow, you know, Adam really stuffed things up for us. Yes, he did, but you're a new creature now. So you're not defined by that. You've got a new lineage, a new bloodline. And so you need to see that and expect that. What's your bloodline? Jesus. Why? Because you're in Christ. You're no longer in Adam. Go read Romans chapter 5. It puts it in in a beautiful uh, picture there. 
You know, as believers, you are literally now a little Christ. That's what Christians, Christian means. A little anointed one. Okay? So we are, are God carriers. So, so, so it's not like we're ever distant from Him. That's what union means. One with. And so we've got to see ourselves like this and awaken to this reality so that we can live like this. I mean, crisis happens, things go wrong. If you don't see yourself as one with Him, then what you're going to do? God, where are you? Whereas in that moment you should be going, thank you God, we're in this together. We can get through this. Rather than seeing Him far, you're seeing that you're one with Him, that He never left you. You don't have to try and, you know, sing a special song to try and get Him to come closer. Our old life in Adam has completely disappeared. You didn't get a fresh start, even a renew. It didn't hit the reset button. It's completely new. So I kind of was trying to think of different ways to explain this. <laughs> because, you know, we kind of... We, I, I, no, I, I kind of sometimes see it wrong or, or, or try and um, explain it wrong. But you're not remodeled. You're not a, a, a remodeled version of the old you. You're not a, a, any version of the old you. We've got to see that we're completely new. We've been thoroughly replaced. Okay? The gospel is not a message of a second chance. The gospel is not a message of another chance. The gospel is the message of completely new. I'm not, I'm not getting another opportunity to try harder. God didn't come and wipe my slate clean and say, give it another go. You became completely new. That's the reality of Christianity is that you're not attached to whatever came before. You're not a sinner anymore. You're not trying harder as a sinner with a new set of rules. You don't have now a new moral code that you're trying to follow. You're completely new. Okay? He has transformed your very substance. Okay? So, so there's nothing attached to you as sin. So if you look in the letters of Paul, he uses a couple different words for new. Okay. The first one in Greek is neos. Neos. And it means something is new in a relation of time. So as an example, I have a, a, an old Toyota. It broke down. Now I have a new Toyota. <laughs> it's not what it's talking about. This is not the new creation. You broke down and now you've got a newer version. That's not what we're talking about. The, 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 the other word um, uh, is kainos, which means new in quality, uncommon, novel, something that's never been seen before, a new kind of substance. This is how we need to see ourselves as Christians. Okay? We're not a, a, a new model. It's more like now you're a, a spacecraft. You're a, a jet. You're an airplane. Like You're completely different. It's like, you know, you, you, you had an apple, and now you don't have an apple, you have a cake. Like, meaning it's completely different. There's no relation anymore. That's how we've got to see it. Like, I'm not who I was. And why I'm hammering this so much is because we, we in our minds, in our subconscious, we tend to not see ourselves like that. How do I know? Because we still act like Adam. And the more we don't see ourselves in Adam, the more we see ourselves in Christ, the more we're going to live like Christ. The, Galatians 5, verse 22, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's describing Jesus. 
How do we express the fruit of the Spirit? You can't get the fruit of the Spirit. Because you've already got the fruit of the Spirit. You can't try and develop faithfulness. Or, or um, love. Or patience. Or gentleness. or All these things are inside of you. And you need to... You can, you can develop them in a, a sense of express them. But, I, I mean, I've said many messages where it's like, like today we're going to talk about how to have more love. And it's kind of detached from Christ, the message. It's detached from Christ in the sense of they are looking at us as saying, you have no love, and so now we're going to show you how to have love. Well, the, the, the best one, patience. That's the best example. Let's ask God for patience, and He's going to give us an opportunity this week whether it's in traffic or a colleague or a loved one, and they're going to just rub you up the wrong way and you're going to have an opportunity to be patient and more loving. God doesn't work like that. And when you get into challenging circumstances like that, you've already got patience. You've already got love. I know it's not always easy to express it. Okay? But it's something that we just need to come aside and not see ourselves as angry, but see ourselves as I am, I've got Jesus in me. So I'm just going to lean back, like that song says, <laughs> lean back into Him and allow Him to flow out of me. It's no longer I that lives, Galatians 2.20, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. So you can't love someone like Jesus loved them unless you're operating in faith. Unless You can't have patience with someone unless you're operating in, in faith. And you've already got the faith, you just have to make the easy decision. Amen? So, you know, Jesus, this is, this is one of the other things I saw with this verse. I'll read it again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. <clears throat> okay, so, Jesus was the word that became flesh, right? Okay, we call that the incarnate. God in human form. He is no longer God in human form. He is now the Christ, the exalted one. He died in human form, was raised up, and now he's exalted, and he's no longer incarnate on earth. He's in the spirit in all of us. Which actually makes you the incarnate now. That, 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 that was quite something to think about. I had to think, decide, do I really want to write that in my notes? <laughs> and to see if it comes up. Because you know, someone's not going to like it. But the point is, is like if you start to see yourself as, because you're a Christian, you are now the incarnate on earth. God's living inside of you. That's going to change the way you live. It's going to change the way you relate to people. Because it's not like, wow, let me just, you know, God bless you. Brother, you're in trouble, and let me carry on. But you got the love of Christ which is in you, you're going to experience it compelling you to want to reach out to people. So, yeah, the more we start to see this, the more we can experience this new identity that we've got. From verse 18 down, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. I like this because it's opposite of what many Christians believe. <laughs> if you read that verse uh, 19... Because it says there that God sent Christ not holding man's sin against them. 
Most of us grew up, or I grew up at least, believing God sent Christ, holding men's sin against them, to pay for sin. But this is showing us that He came out of love, not holding your sin against you, but to deal with sin. Okay, there's a lot there we won't get into, but verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Verse 21 has is, is always been a blessing for me, showing that us that He became what we were, so we could become what He is. Okay? You, you were born a sinner, you didn't, there's nothing you could do. Now you receive Christ, you get reborn a saint. Uh, 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 the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. His nature becomes your nature. You become one with Him in that very moment. And now He sees you as 100% right with Him 100% of the time. You're, another way to describe this is, you're never in God's bad books. Amen. Now think about it. Think, think about How often do you feel like you're not in God's good books? Most Christians like live in that place of, am I in God's good books? And if I'm not in God's good books, how do I get into God, God's good books? I don't know about you, but my number one way to get back into God's good books was fast. <laughs> I jumped there very quickly. You know, That was the easiest way to kind of get back on track. Because you know why? Because that's really punishing myself. That's really punishing myself and making myself feel like I'm paying for something. When he paid for something, so I didn't have to pay for it. All I need to do is believe. This is the work of God that you believe, Jesus said. Not that you fast hard enough that God accepts you or gives you more blessing. Anyway, the, we, the, the point from all this, this passage that we've been looking at in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is that we have a new identity. And living in the reality of Christianity, living the new life that we've got, really starts, the fruitfulness of it starts when we see ourselves as new. If you start to believe that you've got a new identity, that you're not just trying harder, but you believe you've got this new identity, this new ability that comes with that identity starts to come out. Because there's a new ability inside of you as well. What is that ability? Let's go back to, 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 to um, uh, 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 identity. What is the new identity that you have? There's many answers for it. First of all, Jesus is a good answer. Okay, <laughs> Sunday school answer. Jesus is your new identity. So, so let, let, let's, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5.21 and say, Righteousness is your new identity. Okay, So let's look at Jesus first. If Jesus is your new identity, what is your new ability? Jesus. Okay, it's a, quite a simple equation. If righteousness is your new ability, uh, identity, I gave it away. Sorry. If, uh, you see, you're catching on. If righteousness is my new identity, what is my new ability? Jesus or righteousness. Because now you, your, your identity determines your ability. That's why Jesus could say, the same works that I do, you shall do, and greater works than these. And he's, he's specifically in that context referring to the Holy Spirit coming. And us being empowered with the Spirit to be able to live the Christian life. Because you cannot live the Christian life without His Spirit. 
Romans chapter 8 verse 9 says, anyone who doesn't have the Spirit is none of His. You can't live for Jesus without having Jesus. Okay? So, you are reconciled to God. You now are a minister of reconciliation. You are authorized to share the message of reconciliation and perform the tasks necessary for reconciliation. Man turning to God for this to happen. Okay, you're an ambassador for Christ. You're able and authorized to act in His stead, to represent Him. His message, His heart, His will to the world, to act on His behalf. I'm going to say it like this. Jesus isn't here in bodily form to be able to do what He did in the Gospels. But He's here inside you to do what He did in the Gospels and more. That's what we've got to start to see. Not just, I'm in crisis, call someone who's more godly than me. (laughs) Do that. That's awesome. We were here for each other. But, I'm in crisis, something happens, Christ in me is my hope of glory. uh, Colossians 1.27 We've we've got to start to rely in and and lean back, I'm going to use that that, that song again, into the, 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 who's living inside of us. Exactly. The new creation that we are now has the opportunity to be lived out in this life. And so who we are definitely affects right now, but it's an eternal matter. Amen? It's not just a temporal matter, it's an eternal matter. And so it also helps us, now we've got this new identity, we've got this new ability, it gives you direction for your life now. To focus in on what truly matters. All of a sudden, you realize, I need to eat, so I need money, I need to work, but that's not my primary anymore. My primary is living for eternity. The people I come into contact with, being a blessing, you know, being part of a, a body which is reaching people and helping see the lost found, etc., etc. You're living for something bigger than yourself all of a sudden. Okay? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. <laughs> told you we'd get there. Ephesians chapter 4. All I wanted to do with, with laying that foundation was just for us to see our new identity and how that determines our new ability. Because if you start getting into Ephesians 4, 5, 6, it can be a bit of pressure sometimes. But it's not there unless you, you've grown up in church. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> it's not there. So Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 says... I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. So, from a natural human perspective, Paul here is the the word prisoner of the Lord, that phrase, he's referring to himself as a prisoner of who? The Lord. He was a prisoner actually of Rome. He was a prisoner of Rome many times. But he's referring to himself as a prisoner of Jesus. Okay? Now there's a lot that we can get out of this. But you know, Paul often refers to himself in, in Ephesians, Timothy, Philemon, uh, uh, other books, as a prisoner of the Lord. And the reason for him being in prison was Jesus. <laughs> His devotion to Jesus. His relate like him living for Jesus put him in jail. He wasn't a bad boy. 
Okay? He was a bad boy before he met Jesus. Okay? Uh, but now all of a sudden he's being put in jail because of living for Jesus. But, I mean, this same Paul wrote Romans 8, uh, 28. And, and that says, you know, we know in all things, God works to, the things together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And, and, and if we look at that, it doesn't say God causes everything, but it says He takes everything and He can turn it to good. He can. Okay? And, and so this is what Paul was experiencing. He's in jail, and he's changed his perspective. So you might be in troubled circumstances, you might be in a challenging circumstance, now start applying this to yourself. Paul's in jail for, for, for reasons that are good, not because he did something wrong. And his focus is, I'm a prisoner of Jesus. And God uses that. I'll show you how now. But how, like we, we, we often when we're in challenging circumstances, what do we do? We focus on the problems and we can't get out of it. We're, we're waiting for God to go like this and pick us and lift us up out. Or we're just waiting for someone to help us. And praise God, the body of Christ is there to help us in situations like that. But if we change our perspective, it can change the environment. It can, can cause a fruitfulness that we didn't expect. In this situation, Paul's prison, uh, imprisonment led to him eventually getting to Rome and ministering to the whole household of Caesar. Because he was willing to be a prisoner. Because he was willing to stand up for his faith. And he got to minister to the whole household of Caesar. That, that's pretty big. It's an awesome opportunity. Okay? You know, some people might say God had a purpose in all of this. God willed for Paul to, to be in jail or whatever. And it's not. He had the option. Is he going to live for Jesus or not? His choice to live for Jesus. I mean, it's beautiful if you go look at it in, um, in Acts. I can't remember which chapter. But if you go look at it, you see that he has... People who are prophetic coming to him and saying, don't go because you're going to get arrested. Don't go because troubles are waiting for you. And what does he do? He goes, but he says to them first, this is my purpose. He knew that he should just carry on ministering. And most of us would be like, I can do more outside of jail. I'm not aiming at jail. But you know, most of us would be like, if I just back down a little bit, I can do a lot more outside than I could do inside. Paul was like, I'm just going to go for it. Let the chips lie where they fall. Uh, 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 we're just going to go for it. We're just going to go for it. And what is it? he ends up being able to minister to the whole household of Caesar. Okay. Now, I like this. Because Paul never once wrote to the, 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 the Christian brothers and sisters, asking them to stand with him against the devil's plans. Okay, that's the first thing I want to bring out from that. And I knew that would bless you. The second thing is, he never writes to, write to the Christian brothers and sisters and says, would you please uh, 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 appeal to Caesar for my release? Hi. <laughs> it's it's quite, quite shocking, don't you think? They didn't have a petition. Okay, maybe they couldn't in those days, but the point is, he focuses in on what's the real issue here. He focuses on something much deeper, something eternal. Okay? He chose to see himself as a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and that attitude enabled him to rejoice in the Lord always, Philippians chapter 4, to rejoice in the Lord always. And he never gave thanks for the circumstances, but in the circumstances he gave thanks. He says that in Thessalonians. 
But it enabled him to make the most of a troubled situation. In this life, Jesus said, John 16, 33, you will have trouble. You didn't want to hear that, I know. But in this life, there will continuously be trouble. But you don't have to be troubled. If you have the right focus, that you're one with him in the situation, you can get through anything. And turn anything into something beautiful, actually. Okay? So, yeah, this brings me to another point. It says there, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. You can also translate prisoner as bound. So Paul's saying he was bound to Jesus. In view of our union with Christ, he's saying, I'm one with Jesus. So, who's in prison? Jesus. Obviously not in the other believers, unless they're not sharing him. But the point is, is like, if he is where we are, then we're one with him when we're in jail. Which means we can make the most of any situation, of any circumstances. Which makes a lot more sense when it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, you don't have to fear evil because you've got this uninterrupted union with him. All that you need to do is start to uh, uh, become aware, become more aware of who you're carrying, who's with you, who you're one with. So Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 again. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which uh, you were called. The word therefore links what was previously said to what's about to be said. And so you could say it like this, in view of all of this. And we've looked at it, Ephesians chapter 1, 2 and 3. Focusing in on your identity, focusing in on on who's living inside of you. The Spirit of God, the power of God, the might of God. And how we can access that. In view of this, he says, I plead with you, I beg you, I urge you. Walk worthy, lead a life worthy of the divine calling that you have. Why does he say that? Because you can. (laughs) Why does he say walk worthy, live a worthy life in view of who's living inside of you, in view of who you are? Because you can. And because the world is watching you. So it is a bit of pressure. But the pressure isn't on you to perform. The pressure is on you to realize who's living inside of you. Because the more you realize you are love, because you're born of love, the more you can love. Okay? So, in other words, he's saying, you know, live a life in harmony with who you truly are. So, if I'm love and I'm hating someone... I'm in discord with myself if I'm a true believer. If I'm choosing to hate someone or dislike someone like to the max where it's, it's, it's angry and all that, then I'm not in harmony with who I am in Christ. I'm not in harmony with myself. That inner conflict, what will it do? It causes turmoil and it just makes you sick. You know, uh, 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 we, we won't go down that road. There's a couple of things I could say with that. But, you know, we have to become aware of who's living inside of us so that we can let him out of us. Okay? I like how the mirror puts this verse. It says, Let the detail of your day-to-day life flow from the consciousness of your true identity and worth as defined by him. Listen, I'm going to read again. Let the detail of your day-to-day life Flow from the consciousness of your true identity and worth as defined by Him. So everything that happens in every part of our lives should flow from 
The consciousness, the awareness of who we are in Christ. How He defines us. Which leads me to another point. We need to stop trying to define ourselves. And start seeing how does He define me and rest in that. Because as long as you're trying to define you, you're always going to get it wrong. (laughs) Always. He defines you, so you look to Him because He created you. And then he, he can tell you who you are. So, use anger as an example. You know, you're no longer an angry person, even if you get angry from time to time. You're a saint. You're no longer a sinner, even if you sin from time to time. You're a saint. And the more you see yourself as a saint, the less you're going to see yourself sinning. You're no longer an addict of whatever it was. You've got to see yourself as I've been set free from sin. And I'm a slave to righteousness. That's what Romans chapter 6 says. So how do we we live worthy of this call which we have? And I believe the call is to sonship. To be sons and daughters of of the king. How, How do we live this life? A worthy life. In view of our, our, our calling to sonship, to be ambassadors and represent Him in the world. The phrase, walk worthy, is basically saying there shouldn't be a disconnect between who you are and the fruit in your life. Okay, so now I'm sure we all know, uh, not Christians, but people out there, the world, who love to say this to Christians. You're a hypocrite. You know, And I'm not saying we should strive not to be hypocrites. We should just not be hypocrites. <laughs> because we don't have to. We can live lives worthy. That's one of the applications of it. But let's look at some key elements in uh, living out the Christ in you. Okay, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2 to 3. Ephesians chapter 4. So verse 1 says, uh, I beseech you, I urge you to walk worthy of the calling. Uh, with which you have been called. And then verse 2 starts off and says, With all lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering, bearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The New Living Translation says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. So, if you look at all these instructions that are up there in those two verses, if you, if you think about them, what blesses me is it's all got to do with the family of God. It's all got to do with what's going on in, in, in this room and then with other believers that we're connected to. That's what it's got, that, that's what it's got to do with. Okay, Living a life worthy isn't so much it is we're ambassadors to the world so it does it is about our, our witness to the world or how we live for the world but that in the context here it's talking about me and you and it's talking about our relationship why because jesus even said they will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another not your love for god but your love for one another. So the way that we love each other is the way that is, is our primary witness to the world, actually. Okay? So, you know, because 
I know this is going to bless someone. You, you, you cannot be united to Christ without being united to His body, the other Christians. We're part of one another. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you can't pick your family, even in this sense. Yeah, this isn't talking about institution. This isn't talking about institution of church. Institutions of crazy people. Amen? This isn't talking about that. This is talking about family. Okay? There's enough uh, 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 fruits and nuts in, in family anyway. Yeah, we're not talking about that. The local church is not merely a gathering of saints. The, the local church is not merely a gathering of saints. The local church is a community who do life together and live out the mission of Jesus together. It's not just let's come together, sing song, have message. It's let's do life together. Let's be purposeful in living this life together. So how do we walk worthy or live our lives in a way that's in harmony with our calling as sons and daughters? I mean, the phrase sons and daughters even should give us a clue that it's family, right? Okay? Number one, always be patient. I mean, always be humble and gentle. You look at that verse. It says, uh, with lowliness and meekness. Always be humble and gentle. Who's that describing? Jesus. Firstly, Jesus. And secondly, you. <laughs> even if you're not acting like it. That's describing how you are, even if you're in disharmony with yourself. Then it says, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Who's that describing? Jesus, and it's describing you and me. Okay? Why it's saying this, I want to read that verse there again. It says, with all loneliness and meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Forbearing one another in love. It's saying what's true in the Spirit, we're one in Christ, should reflect in the way we conduct our lives and especially our relationships with each other. So we, we put up with each other. Why? Not because we're trying to love each other, but the word love there is agape, which is God's kind of love. It's self-sacrificial love. So I'm putting up with you because I've got the love of God in me, and I'm overlooking your faults as much as you're overlooking my faults. And in doing so, I'm endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It all flows in with each other. Our unity comes from knowing we've got the love of God inside of us, that I'm one with you and you're one with me, because we're one in Christ. And now, I'm like... You know, if you think about it, God says, if he, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, 17, 17 says, Your sins and iniquities I'll remember no more. So you want to be like Jesus? Don't remember your sin and don't remember the person's sin sitting next to you. Overlook it. Forbear with one another with all long suffering to be able to keep the bond of peace. Okay, And it says that we should make every effort to do this. How many of you like effort? <laughs> it's not easy. Okay, But if we're making every effort, it means we're, we're putting effort into practicing, protecting this, the, the, what we've got, keeping what we've got. We're keeping an eye on this unity to make sure we don't let it slip, to make sure it doesn't just slide away. So, 
You know, many people love it when we talk about the reality of Christianity as in Christ in you. The hope of glory. And you've got the Spirit of God living in you. You've got the power of God living in you. You can go and heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, live like Jesus and whatever. But many of those same people who love that struggle when it comes to talking about the family of God. Us. Because we want to be islands. <laughs> we want to be lone rangers. Which incidentally usually get shot. You know, we, 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 we want to treat the, the, club like, the, the church like a club. You know, where, where, where members can kind of just come and go as they want. And you're welcome to do that. Just keep paying your membership fees. <laughs> I'm joking. But it's like it's not a gym. You know, but, but it's a family where we come and we partake together. Okay? Yeah, if, if in the next couple of verses we're going to get into next week maybe, Paul starts to speak about the functions of the Spirit, I'll call them. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and some gifts. And, and he throws in a couple other things. And, and he starts to talk about the functions of the Spirit and how we mature. And I'll, I'll give you a heads up. Maturity, it shows us in those verses, only happens through relationship in the body. It doesn't happen at home. It doesn't happen in isolation. It happens when iron starts to sharpen iron. Amen? So, let me just read those verses again. Verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, one with the Lord, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were, with, 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 with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness. I'll read the New Living there. It says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together in peace. So because you're one in the Spirit, make every effort to... Guard that oneness and protect that oneness. Cherish that oneness. Why should you protect the, the unity that we have, the family that we have? Why? There's, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, the family is here to benefit you. And if you aren't cherishing the family, you're distancing yourself from the benefit of it. And I'm not talking about money, obviously. <laughs> I'm talking about like just, just when you're going through a difficult time, having family there. When you need someone to pray for you or encourage you, calling on someone. Having, you know, if we cherish what we've got in the Spirit and we cherish these relationships, then we've, it really starts to affect our lives positively. But spectators don't benefit from this. Okay? Then, then the, one of the other reasons is obviously in terms of our mission, what we're called to. Take the gospel, change the world. We're stronger in doing that together. Amen? We do it together with the Lord because we're one with Him and we've got His power living inside of us. And so we go, we preach the gospel and we witness to the gospel with signs, wonders and miracles following. But we do that together. We don't do that in isolation. Yes, you, you should do it by yourself. But we're much more effective when we're doing it together. Amen? Amen. So I want to encourage us, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. See how, pray and ask God, how can I build relationship with other people in the, in the body of Christ, you know, not just within grace life, but even outside, other believers? Because we're one with the born-again Catholic. There are some. We're, we're one with whoever's truly born again. 
Okay? Even if they don't worship the way we worship. Amen. So, Father, I want to thank you that we have just such a a oneness with you that results in a oneness with each other. And that this oneness with each other really needs to be guarded, needs to be protected, needs to be stirred up, needs to be promoted in, in, in our decisions, in our, in our lives, in our hearts. And, and so I just, just pray for every single one of us that, that is hearing this message today, that you would just show us how we can do that. If there's anyone who's, who's got altercation with someone within the body of Christ, I thank you that they seek to go and just resolve that, Father. Even if it takes humility, even if it takes, especially if it takes humility to, to just admit fault or ask for forgiveness, I thank you that, that we will be a people who live in, a, in this place of deep unity because of the love that we have inside of us. We've got you. We've got agape, self-sacrificial love living inside of us. Thank you, Father, that we will... We will, we'll, we'll, Make every effort to let go of offenses. Because we can. We've got a new nature. And our nature is one of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We're not angry. We're not sinners. We may express things like that from time to time, but... I thank you, Father, that that's not who we are. Thank you that we are love because you're living inside of us. You are love and we're born of love. So I thank you that we would just continue to awaken to that reality so we can start to live in it, Father. Thank you, Father. Let's just stand up together. We're going to close off just... Just by focusing on the Lord, just close your eyes, pray in the Spirit if you want to pray in the Spirit. Just give Holy Spirit an opportunity to minister to you, to refresh you. If you get a word, then you're welcome to come up and, and share it. But, but just focus on this time as allowing Him to speak to you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I really just feel like there's somebody here who... You, 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 it's not a physical vision problem, but it's a vision and a sense of direction. That you've got a direction problem, and it's, it's just a, a kind of like a cloudy vision. Like you, you don't know kind of what you should be aiming at right now. The direction you should be going. If that's you, just raise your hands as a responding to God. I'm just going to pray for you if that's you. Father, I just pray for those that, that are, have that obscured vision. They don't know exactly what direction that they should be going. I thank you that they can acknowledge you in their ways and you will direct their paths. I thank you, Father, that if they just look to you, they just wait on you, you're going to direct their steps. In the name of Jesus. I just speak clarity over them, Father. As they, they spend time with you, I thank you that they are your sheep. They hear your voice. They will get direction. In the name of Jesus.
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I just feel like the Lord's saying to you, don't worry about it. Just, just keep focused on me. Just keep focused on me. There's someone with a arm, pain in your arm. Someone with pain in your arm at the moment. Ben, put your hand on Ben there. <laughs> now, Father, we just, we just right now take authority over this pain. And in the name of Jesus, we just command your pain to go. Whatever is causing this pain, we just speak alive and healing and wholeness now in Jesus' name. Whatever is not right, we command you to be right. For right now, we release life and healing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Wholeness right now. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Any thanks, Yes, as in this, there is, or yes, it's better? There's pain. Father, we just thank you right now for your healing touch. We command that pain, go now in Jesus' name. Completely, go. In the name of Jesus, we release life and health, wholeness in the name of Jesus right now. Thank you, Father. Any damage in that arm, we command you, be restored, be whole, right now. Thank you, Father. It's gone. Praise God. Awesome. Anybody else got something that you're trusting God for? Your body, just raise your hands. And if you see someone raising your hands, just put your hand on them. We're just going to pray generally there. So, Father, I just pray for anybody who's got a chronic illness right now. We've been praying over this for the last couple of weeks. We just thank you for the improvement that has taken place in some. And we thank you, Father, that we're going to have more testimonies coming out in the name of Jesus. We just de- I just declare healing in your body right now in the name of Jesus. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet in the name of Jesus. I command the life of God to manifest in your body right now and bring wholeness to every part in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Right now, we declare recovery in your body. Every organ be restored now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen. If you're ever in the Cape Town area, we want to invite you to come fellowship with us at one of our life groups or Sunday gatherings. You can find out more about Grace Life Rondebosch via email at info at gracelife.co or check us out on our Facebook page, Grace Life Rondebosch.